0: This is Actually, You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Hey, what's up? Jacqueline here. Today, I chat with my friend Kirsten, who is a former marathoner and current personal trainer. I really love today's episode because we talk about Weight Watchers, which was like this like holy grail diet. Like I always wanted to do this. I always, like, just imagine going to Weight Watchers meetings and thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, the people, these people, they're going to teach me how to eat and, like, I'm going to get on scale and, and discipline me and all this stuff. Um, I never did Weight Watchers, but hearing more about her experience and other people's experiences, you know, you really start to understand, like, huh, doesn't matter what diet we do, they all mess us up. So Kirsten tells us how following Weight Watchers became super obsessive to the point that she was like counting kernels of corn and trying to decide if she was allowed to eat them or overdoing it with things like baby carrots because they didn't have as many points as other food. So during all of this time, Kirsten was training for long distance races, under eating, not a great combination for our bodies, and that's something I want you to note. That if you are training for a long distance race, you need to increase fuel. Your body needs that energy. Uh, this is a great episode. I'm just so excited for Kirsten and how far she has come, and the message that she has for women. Um, you know, with with food, with athletics, that it's okay to eat. You're gonna love today's episode. All right, I am so excited on the podcast today. I have Kirsten. How are you doing today? I'm very good. How about you? Good. So excited. So we actually have met in person a couple of times. It's so cool to see you across the country um, on our little computers here. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So I love getting started with just kind of hearing more about your story when you were younger. I think that a lot of times the the relationships that we have with food and with exercise in our bodies now we can it's helpful to see how that's transformed over the years. so if you were to go back to like high school or college what was your relationship with things back then
1: Mm, you mean workouts and food wise right yeah okay so i i have always been an athlete so i did track and field when i was i think i started when i was like eight years old nine years old something like that and then um Through high school, through college, a couple of, I think the second year in college, I actually kind of started doing less of that because, you know, my school days were super long and then just didn't have time for that. And then, yeah, I was competitive track athlete. And then, you know, when the uh, workout intensity sort of dropped and um, the frequency dropped then I noticed that I'm, you know, putting on weight, obviously, right? I also got my first car and more driving, less moving. Uh, I was homesick. I was eating chocolate. And then I, uh, I gained weight uh, and I had stopped uh, track and field by then. And then I decided that I want to become a runner because uh, I also wanted to lose the weight. I thought, okay, I'm going to, Join Weight Watchers, I'm going to start running. And so combining these two, um, I lost a bunch of weight. And then I also became, you know, fairly good runner, not competitive runner, but still, you know, doing like weekend races and stuff like that. Uh, And then, um, yeah, I, I made a couple of mistakes during my marathon runner career, which I think we will get into a little bit later. Um, but then yes, I did make those mistakes. I, I overdid the running part. I definitely didn't eat enough. I got in some health trouble and then that was about, it was more than 10 years ago now. And then, uh, slowly I actually stopped running as much when I realized that I'm not that, you know, doing that great anymore health wise. And then now fast forward to today, I am, I'm doing a little bit more strength training. Um, And I don't think running is a bad thing. I think a lot of people kind of talk crap about running, but I think if you do anything in moderation, it's fine. You just have to know where your health is at, how much you can handle and always make sure that you feel yourself. So this is kind of the very short version of my story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So let's go back. I I think that's so huge. Um, Weight Watchers, that's like a really common thing that people, you know, used to lose weight, um, tracking the numbers, you know, learning different foods that they can eat, the free foods. Um, so how, so Weight Watchers helped you in the beginning, but you no longer do Weight Watchers. So tell us a little bit more about how it helped you and,
1: you know, where it got you. Right. So I started Weight Watchers when I was about 21 years old. And if anyone has done Weight Watchers, they, I don't know, maybe they have changed now. But back then, at least it was a yeah, point system. So every food gave you a certain amount of points. And then you had your you know, your daily number that you were allowed to hit. And you were not supposed to go beyond that. So I remember even now, I remember clearly that it was 21 points that I was. I got to eat today. It's so crazy. It's like 13 years ago now, but I still remember it. And so, um, I tried perfectionist as I was back then. I tried to always make sure that I less than that because then I get to my goal faster. Right. Mm-hmm. And I did lose a bunch of weight. I think I lost about, um, 30 to 35 pounds or so, which was a lot. And, uh, of course back then I was, I was thinking it was always awesome and, and perfect because it's always a good thing to lose weight. Right. So yeah, but I definitely got a little bit too obsessed with it. Um, And then because there was so much restriction, because I also ran a lot and I didn't eat more points, so to speak, then um, yeah, my body started protesting against that. And I lost my period, I lost my sleep. And although I had lost a bunch of weight, my health wasn't that awesome anymore. But this obsession of point counting didn't really go away for many, many, many years. And I was still you know, thinking about the points all the time to the point where I was even like counting peas on my plate or like pieces of corn. Like, can I eat this? Can I not eat this? Because this is going to be like three wasted points. You know, this was like the mentality that I had in my head all the time. And I think again, you know, it depends a lot on personality. If you're somebody who who is not crazy type A and is not as perfectionistic, I think maybe it can help you. But if you're somebody who tends to go to extremes uh, then it can be it can be harmful and for me it definitely was so yeah i did lose weight um but i also my health wasn't that great
0: mm-hmm. i love what you said about how we always think that weight loss is a good thing and were you getting like external validation about your body
1: when that happened uh yes i did uh so weight watchers have their weigh ins every week they have the meeting and then everybody has to get on the scale And then you get this little like tiny piece of paper where they write down, it's like your diary. Uh, So they write down like how much you lost every week. And I was the only one in the group who over the course of five or six months when I was there, lost weight every single month. And I was so proud of myself. People were admiring me. I was like, and I know when people are struggling in these meetings, they were telling, telling like, oh, I couldn't resist this cake in the weekend. And I was in my head, I was like, to me, it's easy. What do you want? Do you want the cake? You want the abs, right? Like, there's no question. And I always wanted the abs. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. So yeah, it was, you know, I was proud of myself because you can't, you can't deny that it gives you some kind of boost, you know, like seeing the the scale drop and you know clothes fit and you can put on new sizes that you never thought you can fit in. Yeah. So it's definitely, um, yeah, it was definitely something that I enjoyed a lot back then.
0: Mm-hmm. And then so. You drop the weight, and so I'm imagining
1: that losing weight
0: could help your running. Like I know when my body was a little bit bigger and I wasn't moving a ton, it hurt sometimes to get up and walk around, but I'm also guessing that going under on calories could also affect your running if we think about calories or units of energy. So what, how did that play out with food and like your performance with running?
1: Yeah, this is super interesting. A really, really good question. I think there absolutely needs to be a balance. And if you want to be a marathon runner, I mean, marathons take so much out of you. Like you have to, your long runs in the weekend are two to three hours, right? And you just can't under eat. It's like looking back, this is the silliest thing to do because I did those runs often fasted. And uh, now I'm thinking, why did I do that? And actually, yes, it does help. Um, to a certain point to be lighter, to have a lighter body, you just, you're able to move faster. For example, now when I go out to run, I'm not nearly, my my speed is not nearly as fast as it was back then. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it starts to kind of catch up after a while. So maybe you can, you can even under, eat maybe like, a, I don't know, about a year without feeling that much like without getting much like negative side effects, but then it starts to catch up on you, and then you feel weaker at some point your your times are not getting faster anymore. And then this is where I realized that you know I st- I stopped uh, running um, my goal was no longer to run faster, but my goal became to control my weight. And then this is where I started seeing that, you know, the same race that I did, I remember there was a race uh, every year on Mother's Day, which is, you know, about this time of year we we're talking. Um, my times, like the first uh, first year was really good, second year was better, and then third and fourth and fifty started to get worse and worse and worse and worse because I was just not eating enough. And it was like my body was catching up on that, you know, calorie restriction. I just wasn't able to be as fast anymore. So only to a certain point. The lightweight only helps you to a certain point, but not forever.
0: So during that time, were you still doing Weight Watchers or what did food look like for you then?
1: Hmm. So my food was pretty, um, it was quite limited in what I allowed myself to eat. So one of the big ones was that I had almost no fat at all, no dietary fat. I was absolutely terrified of it because the points again, right? One tablespoon of uh, oil I think one teaspoon of oil gave you like a whole point and I'm like oh my god why would I eat the teaspoon of oil added to my salad if I could eat like uh, three bags of free carrots mm-hmm. right this was kind of like how my logic works so I didn't have, I've absolutely always loved nuts, but I didn't allow myself to eat any nuts at all. And now when I'm thinking back, I think you should never restrict the things that you absolutely love because this will only lead you to binge eating, which happened to me like over the course of six, seven years, so many times. Um Yeah. So low fat was absolutely like a terrible thing. Uh, I would, I would even like, if somebody was cooking for me, my mom was cooking for me, I would just literally stand there make sure that she doesn't put any like heavy cream in my, in my food, because I would think, you know, this is going to ruin my, my weight loss. Or if there's like a piece of bread and somebody had made like a sandwich and I, and I saw that there's like a layer of butter, I would just try to take that off and only eat the bread. So I never had issue with carbs. I know that a carb restriction is a big thing right now. So I ate a lot of carbs. I ate like oatmeal, I ate spaghetti a lot, but then uh, there's absolutely no fat, which I think was a big reason why I, um, I had all these hormonal issues that I had. And I also ate a lot of vegetables and fruit because these were free in weight watchers. So you could eat as many carrots, as many apples, as many cucumbers as you like. And I remember, you know, going back from school sometimes and on my way home, just to polish up like three bags of baby carrots. And actually right now I'm like, I don't usually eat raw carrots anymore because I'm like, I had so many of them. I'm just grossed out. <laughs> I don't want to.
0: Yeah, I think I read a, a really good post about that, that we think like, oh, there's no way you could go overboard on vegetables. But there are plenty of times that I sat down because I was afraid of carbs, because I was afraid of like every sugar, I would eat like three bags of like roasted broccoli in like one sitting. And I think about like my stomach and like bathroom issues from having all of that. It's like, yeah, this stuff is good, but not like eating three bags of carrots or three bags
1: of broccoli because you're afraid of other foods. Like, mm, not that healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of people who have to increase their vegetable intake. Obviously, you know, there's a million of people who have to hear that message, but then on the other other side, there are people like we used to be in the past who would be obsessed with those quote unquote free foods and eat nothing else. And I remember, for example, how I roasted my vegetables. That meant only like sprinkling a little bit of lemon juice or water on my vegetables and throwing in the oven and then eating the entire sheet and then wondering why is my stomach hurting? Go figure. (laughs) Yeah. What was your joy level around food during that time? Everything was scary. Things were scary. Out of my comfort zone, everything was scary. Um, And also because I started binge eating because I was so deprived most of the time, um, then you know, I became afraid of like things that I always enjoyed, like chocolate and some cakes and stuff. But I started binging on that on these things, and of course it it was just gross. It was eating too much in one sitting to the you know, I got stomach ache, I was physically so full. so there was not really like enjoyment, it was always like restricting and being so hyper aware and scared or then there was binging. There was nothing like, there was no in between state really. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think sometimes it can make it really real, just kind of like hearing the inner chatter or the inner dialogue of what like what's going on in your head. It makes it so relatable. So like if you were restricting and you were like not eating anything or you were going to the opposite and you were eating everything in sight, what were kind of some of the things that you know was going on in your head?
1: In my head, uh, let's see. Well, actually, one thing is that I never really starved myself. I know that like, people go, you know, like days and days without food if you know they really want to lose the weight, whatever. For me, it didn't work that way. I still ate. Like I said, I ate so much pasta. I ate a lot of uh, oats, but it was very like limited to what I had, right? But the, what happened in my head. Um, well, sometimes when I would binge, I would try to justify that. I would be like, okay, but I'm okay. I'm like good. Like two weeks in a row, I'm good. I It's okay. It's not going to make me gain weight. And I didn't even think it, whether this behavior itself is normal or not. My only concern was, is it going to affect my weight? Oh, well, probably not because I only binge once in two weeks. My weight is going to probably be fine. So I'm not going to get on a scale the next day after binge or, or two days after binge third day i have done enough running i have like gotten this out of my system i can get on a scale and move on with my super um, you know restrictive life again so um yeah i was always trying to think how it affects my body weight but not if if what i'm doing was healthy if this behavior was normal or not and then i was always weighing myself this was i remember still i had this always the same number 62 kilograms i'm, I'm from europe i use kilograms um it was my number. And then always every morning I would get up, I would uh, go for a run, I would pee, I would take a shower, I wouldn't have any food or any water even, I would get on the scale and see if it showed me 62 or less. And then if yes, then I was like feeling good. If no, I had to tighten up my my running and my diet. So that was pretty messed up looking back. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that that's so common too. Like
0: it's, it's, not normal, but it's been normalized to get on the scale and make yourself either feel good or bad about what number is on there. So when you say like tighten things up, like if you saw a number that you didn't like on the scale, what did tightening things up look like?
1: Well, I would probably add another 20 to 30 minutes to my run. And I was already running. I ran six days a week and at least 60 minutes or 10K. So that was my norm. Anything less than that was a failure for me. So, but that was that was the minimum that I did uh, on weekends. I did longer runs, so it could be like fifteen k, could be twenty k. Sometimes I would run thirty kilometers on a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, I would add more more running. Um, and I would yeah, actually it was mostly through exercise. I didn't really restrict that food as much, I feel like. If I saw the weight going up a bit, I just add added more exercise. But yeah, it can go both ways. People do both.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then what... So you're in this period of over-exercising, um, not eating fun foods, or if you are going overboard on them and not feeling good. Like, what got you out of that? Like, what changed?
1: Hmm. So this is like a really big question actually i gotta say that first one of the things that helped me to stop weighing myself every day and being so addicted to scale was that my binges started to get really under out of control out of control so i just i was binging first it happened maybe once a month and then it got like once every two weeks and then it got like once once a week and then it was two days in a row and i just didn't want to get on a scale to see the number i was so scared of it and i was like you know what what if i relax and it just eat a little bit more and stop weighing myself because it had become like such a big, like a burden, like to see the number go up. I just didn't want to see it. So I started avoiding, avoiding the scale. So that was kind of how I gradually, very gradually got rid of the scale uh, addiction. But I have to say that uh, the reason, like the, how I was able to let go of this really restrictive mindset and this um, over-exercising behaviors there were bigger life changes that had to happen for me because I um, back then, I was in a relationship that was not right for me. It was like very, we're really, really different people and I didn't realize back then how much pressure that put on me or like stress and like wanting me to like this person but not liking it, you know? And I had forced myself because as perfectionist as I was and people pleaser as I was, I didn't want to leave or I didn't want to take responsibility for, for it. So actually ended up breaking up that was that was a big one and i know this is not like maybe what some people need a lot many people need to do that was what personally helped me a lot it took away so much heaviness from me and i realized that i don't have to like escape my issues anymore by running so much or controlling my food very heavily yes. and then another thing which was also a huge huge game changer uh, was that i actually used to work at a uh, university in Finland and then I, I got a one-year scholarship um, to U, uh, UC Berkeley in the States and then I went really far from home uh, and it totally changed my environment. I, I became a different person because I feel like back in, I used to live in Finland, I'm from Estonia but I used to be live in Finland, I felt like um, it was really hard for me to like make friends there. Uh, I i am not very super open person i feel like and then other people around me were the same way so now moving to california people (laughs) are really open like really happy and smiling and welcoming and that really helped me to open up as a person and i have changed so much since then so i came here for one for one year i was terrified because i thought i'm not gonna make any friends nobody's ever gonna want to talk to me i was so scared but it turned out the opposite I made a lot of friends where there were a lot of like other exchange students we went out to party we were drinking we were eating what we wanted I was not running every single day like like it was my job right so uh, that was a big one like uh, environment and I always say that to people that you know you have to think what else is like stressful in your life because it's usually why you're binging on over exercise or over exercise it's not about the food it's not about the exercise. There's something else probably that's like underlying issue there, and it may be a huge and very very uncomfortable change to make. But sometimes you have to make that change. And for me, it was really a big one. It was really really big change for me, and super helpful.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. That it's it's not really about the food, but it's like that's the easy thing quote easy thing to control when all of these other things feel out of control. You're like, okay, cool. Let me just buckle down on this thing. I'll somehow be happier when I lose the five, 10, 15, 20 pounds. Like everything in my life will go perfect. And I'm like, well.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really happen because if you don't like your job, like I didn't like my job back then. And then, you know, I came to the States and I I dated a guy for a while who had a degree in business and he was a yoga teacher. I'm like, wait, you can't do that? Like he's like, yeah, you got to follow your passion, you got to follow your heart. I'm like, wow. And then, um, you know, a couple of other people who were, Totally doing different things. They were not putting themselves into those boxes that, I got my degree in this. Now I have to do in this. I, like it sucks, but I just have to. And then I was like, wait a minute. This is how I am thinking. I'm thinking I have to do this thing that I've been studying for ten years. But what if I don't? And what if I actually follow my passion and do the things that I really love? So later I got my personal trainer's client uh, certification, and this is what I'm doing now. I'm so much more happier, just because I took the leap and changed the direction like my career direction so i really encourage people to think if they have the same issues like maybe there is something really big really fundamental in their in their life that needs to be changed
0: and it's scary though like that's scary yeah. and i think that i i think that's probably why i relate to your story so much and i like enjoy watching your stuff is like well i went to school for to be a teacher and i have my master's in education and i pumped so So like thousands and thousands of dollars into this career and then was like, I hate doing this. This is not bringing me happiness It's bringing me stress and I'm stress eating and now I've gained weight. So now let me try to lose the weight and control that when all I needed to do was not go on a diet, just change my career, which, Oh, just easy. Oh, just change your career. But like, no, seriously change my career. And then everything with food found its way. And I want to, like, can you tell people, because I want people to know, like, what did you go to school for? Because this is big, like, this is a big career shift, and it's scary. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I went to school for uh, linguistics, and I did that for 10 years. I I got my PhD in linguistics. And I mean, this is, this is no joke. You spend 10 years, um, you get the, you know, the highest degree basically possible, and then you're like, nope, not gonna do it. And I I am absolutely convinced that this change would not have happened had I not come to California. And and it's so ironic that I came here to California to do one year here on my studies. And then after that, I decided, nope, not going to do it. (laughs) I'm done with that. So um, it was scary. And of course, you know, I was like, oh, my God, my supervisor is the nicest person in the world. And, you know, I people-pleasing again, right? He's the nicest person in the world. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to disappoint my mom. I don't want to, you know, disappoint anyone. But it was, it it had gotten so strong, the feeling that this is the wrong, this is not right for me. And so, yeah, I changed it. And a lot of people would be like, wait a minute, you have a PhD and you are doing personal trainer's job? Like, really? I'm like, I am proud of it. I'm really proud of it.
0: Yeah, I, um, One of my college professors, I remember telling her I was so ashamed, like, oh, I'm not a teacher anymore. And she's like, you didn't go to college to become a teacher. You went to college to get educated and you're an educated person. And whatever you do in life, you have your college degree, you have this education. It's not the like, (laughs) like, it's okay to not do that specific job. I was like, oh, thank you. But it's the thing, like that guy, like when someone gives you permission, you're just like, oh, why was I waiting for this? Like, why couldn't I just do this? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting how people sometimes need that external permission from somebody, which is actually what I see right now, too, as I'm coaching women through their eating issues. And I've been getting so many messages telling me that, thank you for giving me the permission to eat a cookie. And like, Really, like you needed permission to eat a cookie. I'm glad I was able to give it to you, but I want you to get to the place where you're able to give yourself this permission. You don't need it from anyone else. This is where you know that you're actually a competent person. You know you know your choices, and you embrace the choices, and you know you know what's best for you. You actually don't need this type of permission from anyone else. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about that and who you help with that, but let's backtrack a bit. So as you got to a really low weight, you had some issues with your body, with your period. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think sometimes people just don't know that this is related to food or that it doesn't have to be their normal
1: yeah so what happened to me was that uh i lost my period and i know a lot of people will be like well that's an amazing thing <laughs> you don't have to worry about this every month oh that's great but it's not only about having a period that's a serious sign that something's wrong in your body so your body's not functioning it's not getting enough nutrition it's putting up way too much energy that it's getting back so your body doesn't have the resources to keep your reproductive system going right Right. so also, I lost my sleep. I had terrible insomnia. and this, this is crazy because I used to be such a good sleeper before I started Weight Watchers. I used to be like, I remember my mom would just like do whatever to get me up. Like when I was high school, she was like, can you please get up? I'm like, no. <laughs> and now I was up. I was like in my head planning my next day's meals. And the anxiety was so crazy. First, it was anxiety. But later, I think I probably, my stress hormones were so high all the time from all the excessive exercise and from all the under eating they just wouldn't let me sleep right uh so and then what else i got i got i was really cold all the time i had a uh, quite low fat percentage i never measured it but you know you can tell visually uh then i had frequent headaches um i was kind of like wired and tired all the time Uh, terrible constipation by the way it's not normal to poop once a week it's not normal everybody Um, no sex drive at all absolutely no interest in that type of stuff and so yeah these are the signs that I know a lot of people who are either in the bodybuilding community experience and 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 also a lot of marathon runners also a lot of um, people women who do gymnastics uh, or anywhere where low weight is is a thing, right? Everybody thinks that they should be having low body weight, and it can help them to a certain extent, like we talked before. But if it gets too low for our unique body, and by the way, this is very, very different for everybody, um, where your kind of sweet spot is. Uh, if it gets too low, then we start having those issues. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get my peer for 10 years, and I thought it was, you know, I didn't know. I thought it's probably not normal. But uh, my doctors didn't tell me much about it. They're like, yeah, we don't know what that is.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. So even doctors didn't know. Okay. So what is, did you start doing something specifically to help this, or did you see things? Like, what happened? Like, you were trying to fix something, or things got fixed along the way? Or-
1: mm-hmm so i had actually stopped running as much by the time i started dealing with this thing i was mostly doing that hit training and some weight training but it was still too much for my body because i had in the past done too much right so um i actually went to see an acupuncturist for a totally not related issue and then we started talking about it and then i mentioned that i haven't had my period for 10 years and he was like this is not normal and you may want to cut back on exercise a little bit and put on a little bit of body weight, although you don't look too skinny for me. And I was not like when you compare to like a lot of other women who are excessively exercising by then I had put on already like quite a bit of weight because, you know, I, I wasn't training as much anymore, but I was still a little too, not enough for my body. Right. So after hearing that from him, um, I went home, I started Googling doing my research. I found the book, uh, no period. Now what, if anybody has that issue, they can check that out. Um, and then this book helped me to realize what I have to do. And it was the scariest thing ever because it came out that I had to stop exercising all, like completely for a while and then start eating much, much, much more um, to kind of wake up my reproductive system. And that's what I did. I, I couldn't work out for five months, which was the longest I had done since probably nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my peer came back and like along the way, a lot of other symptoms started to improve. I started to sleep. I remember the first time I slept eight hours was like, what the hell just happened? Because before that, uh, my sleep was like five hours, six hours, and it would still work out. Right. Um, so my constipation got so much better. Uh, then I was not that cold anymore. Basically, all the symptoms that I mentioned earlier uh, went away most of them i still struggle with sleep i'm very sensitive to that so i have to make sure that my um my sleep that i take care of that space pay special attention to that um so that's still still sometimes on and off but the other symptoms are are gone and yeah now getting my period every month and yeah it took me about uh it took me a lot of weight i had to put on quite a bit of weight uh to to kind of um get my cycle going again and I'm feeling better overall. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see your body change if you're used to seeing yourself only one way. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the health benefits you get out of it are totally worth it.
0: That's huge. I'm glad that you said that because I think before we said, like we always think that losing weight is the healthy thing, but this is a period in your life where putting weight on and not exercising, eating some chocolate was the healthy thing that you need to do for your mm-hmm. body.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is why I am very much right now against this way of thinking that uh, weight loss is for everybody. Everybody needs to lose weight. Like wherever you go, wherever you go, literally, you hear these conversations, I have to lose weight, I have to lose weight. It's It's like a default thing that we have to talk about no matter who you're talking to. And I'm there like, oh, wait a minute. Like I had to put on 30 pounds and now I'm healthy. I was not healthy before. And then, you know, a lot of times this thing, what happened to me, happens to people whose like BMIs are like 17, 18. Mine was never that low. So I was actually right in the middle of the normal BMI range when I had all these issues. And then to get my cycle back, to get my health improved, um, I had to get to up to almost what is considered overweight. But was it overweight really for me? Uh, was it overweight for me? Yeah, it was not, right? This is where I actually got healthy. So I just want people to know that, like, forget about the BMI. It does not really tell you the entire truth. What tells you the entire truth about your health can be things like blood work, but also things like how are you feeling? How are you functioning in your everyday life? And it's it's not the scale that tells you the truth.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you went through these periods of under eating or restrictive eating um certain foods not allowed and then also these binging episodes and now eating is kind of normalized and you feel good like how did you make those transitions and you know like it be how you eat now where it's not you don't track anything do you track anything
1: no i don't track uh, regularly um so actually, when I started helping people with uh, the period issues, then uh, a lot of people, uh, actually, then I tracked for a little bit because a lot of people told me that they just can't eat over 2,000 calories a day. I'm like, wait, it's it's not that hard. So out of interest, it's just, I got just uh, curious. I was like, okay, let's see how much I am eating. So I did track for a little while. I'm like, I'm eating around 2,300 to like 2,700 a day, and I'm maintaining my weight. So how can it can't be that hard to eat that much, right? Uh, So, but on regularly, no, I do not track. And then how things normalize for me, um, it starts, actually starts with just eating more at your regular meals, not skipping your meals, allowing yourself to eat snacks here and there if you want them, Um, not restricting yourself so much, but understanding that it's better to have even daily, little bit of chocolate, whatever your things are, because that's going to prevent the binges later later in the week or whenever so just trying to keep it like moderate and balanced all the time as opposed to like restricting and then binging
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's helpful um i think that like going back when i was like cool i don't want to do whole 30 anymore i don't want to do clean eating i didn't know how to do moderation and i also didn't know I just thought the people that knew how to eat moderately were just people who knew how to eat moderately. And I just, I didn't know. Like, because there was nothing out there. There was no one out there specifically teaching, here's how to do this. So, like, what tools or tips or, like, mindset shifts, you know, like, what do you, how do you help people learn to eat moderately? How does someone eat some chocolate without it being, okay? Oh, cool, cool, I just ate three bars of chocolate and I went and got McDonald's. Like, what does that look like in a day?
1: Yeah, so there's definitely some tips and that you can use, and it is all learnable. Yeah, some people are—I mean, we are all born with this knowledge, but we just mess it up at some point, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> so true.
1: Yeah, so we have to relearn it a lot of times. So if there's somebody who used to like restrict in the past and then went to the other side of things when they're like overeating like crazy and binge eating, uh, I would I would say that the key word here is awareness. So how do you eat the chocolate? That first maybe it's like giving yourself this permission, understanding that I am okay if I eat chocolate. Nothing bad's gonna happen. The world's not gonna end. Eat your freaking chocolate. Like this is the stupidest thing. If you love chocolate, you're gonna tell that I'm never, never gonna have that again. But then it comes down to, uh, down to awareness how you actually eat it. So what I actually tell people to do is pay attention. Like have your piece of chocolate and eat it pretty slowly and notice how the taste this, for example because a lot of times we eat so fast when we're binging that we don't we don't pay attention and then we get to this point where like i don't even know what i'm doing this stuff doesn't taste like anything anymore for some reason i'm still eating it but if you actually if you're present and if you try to enjoy it then that kind of goes away you're like hmm, actually the fifth fifth piece is not as awesome as the first one was And so right now I'm, I am running this challenge in my Facebook group where I'm teaching these things and people are getting results. They're like, Oh, wait a minute. I just had like half a cup of granola and I started the second cup, second half. And I was like, I don't want that because it doesn't taste as awesome. So why not to leave the rest for later when you come back and enjoy it again? So that's, for example, like one of the things uh, that you can start practicing with. Um, And then Uh, There are other tools, obviously, as well. So one that I I started practicing um, myself to a while ago and worked really well, although I I didn't think it would work because I was so scared, was starting, for example, sharing some desserts with somebody. And uh, if you come from the really restrictive background, like I did, I, in the past, I used to have only two options. Either I will have no dessert when I'm eating up, which was like most of the time, like 90% of the time, or I order my own and there's no way hell you get to touch mine. Like, this is all mine. I'm going to eat it. And I always uh, remember the episode from Friends. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like, um, Joey. <laughs> Joey, yeah, Joey doesn't share food, right? So uh, then I, that was me like, no, like this is mine and I'm going to eat that. I'm going to finish that at a restaurant and I'll go home. And then I eat more of what else, whatever I have there. But actually, was really, really helpful tool is like order this dessert that you really, really want. And don't yeah. think about the calories. Don't think what it's going to do to your body. Like, is it going to, I don't know, how it's going to affect you. Order what you actually want and share with somebody, right? That teaches you moderation. It's not actually about restrictions. I don't want you to go like, oh, I can't have more than three bites. No, I just want you to kind of come to this conclusion yourself that hey, we share this thing. And I was fine. And if I really want so bad, there is more. You can always go and order another portion if you really need it. But what a lot of people find is that, oh, yeah, actually, it was fine. And I'm feeling good instead of feeling stuffed. So that's kind of like in between. You're not restricting. You're not overdoing it. You're actually enjoying the stuff without any guilt. Um, and then you go home and you do move on with your life. And then that's that's actually really, really helpful practice. I love that.
0: The the joy level around food. Like food isn't just fuel. Food is cultural. Food is like the shared experience that we have. So just like opening it up and like share that experience of the chop you know, the cheesecake or the chocolate cake or whatever with whoever you're with. And it's not like, okay, I'm only allowed this, but like, hey, we're gonna enjoy this together. I think that's a huge thing because there's not a lot of joy around food when you're obsessively tracking or you're obsessively restricting. Like the joy level is so low.
1: It's absolutely, it's really, really low. And then, uh, when I used to track my stuff, what I would also find is that, you know, I put this portion on my plate that I'm about to eat and I track everything. I put everything to my, my fitness file. And then I finish this meal. I'm like, I am actually still hungry. I could use some more food and then I have to go to this app again and open a way and measure everything. Like, we're not talking about joy here. We're really not, right? <laughs> so it's, it's, it becomes a real obsession and you don't even pay attention to when your body's like, okay, I'm full. And then maybe you could stop. But be- because you have already set out to eat this, whatever is in front of you, you're going to eat this regardless of what, how your body feels right? So it's like, it can go both ways. We can under eat doing so we can overeat doing so but we don't really listen to what our body tells you tells us and then to be able to hear that we really have to be aware and like, be mindful and eat a little bit slower too. I think that's one of the things people are just eating super, super, super fast. Uh, I luckily have never have really I've never had that problem really. I've always been pretty slow eater. But if you're not somebody who's eating slowly, I just encourage you to try that and eat a little bit slower. Now, on the other hand, I, want, I also want to say that there are certainly people who could benefit from knowing more about nutrition and, because calorie, like, and how calories affect us. Uh, you know, there are very many people for whom obesity is a problem. And then I think for them, for educational purposes, it's fine to track for a little while right? But we're talking about two different populations here. Like the people that I'm working with mostly are the ones who already know every single detail about every single food. And I think these people could cut back on that a little bit and then trust their intuition a little bit better. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I think too that like, like these things can serve a purpose at different times, like tracking, like no one wants to track food for the rest of their lives, but it can be helpful. Like you said about like, just knowing Oh I'm eating around twenty three to twenty seven hundred calories For me, it was really helpful to get out of clean eating to like track calories and see like, hey, it's okay if you eat a slice of bread, you didn't die like everything's fine, but like the tracking is kind of what allowed me to work that in, and now I don't and mm-hmm. never want to again <laughs> yeah exactly
1: it is it is quite stressful I just think,
0: mm-hmm. so you have um a coaching program you work with clients in person and online correct can you tell us a little bit more about what it's like working with you online um more and more people are getting into this coaching world online
1: yeah so I am working with people uh, online I actually have two types of coaching one of them is the hypothalamic amenorrhea coaching um if that's something that you're working with uh, and then the other one is the um it's just how would I call it it's just like a normal, moderate eating coaching where uh, we're going through uh, the things that are, that the person is struggling with because everybody is a little bit uh, at a different place. Uh, there are a lot of people who have been tracking all their lives and now, or tried all the diets under the sun and they just don't know how to stop that. So I'm working with people like that, helping them to find what works for them because the, the reality is that nobody else can prescribe us a diet that works for us because nobody else lives in our body. So I'm teaching them how to kind of get to know their body, what works for them, because this is all super, super individual, right? And it is hard because it's so much easier to take someone's like macro plan and then go and like do the thing. But then what we are doing more with in my coaching is we are actually like thinking, how does this thing make me feel? What do I need more of? This thing didn't work. What else can I try? You know, it's really being really uh, aware and understanding what your unique body feels so that you can create the diet that's, that's going to work for you. So it's a, yeah, it's a very, um, how to say it's very like personal approach. It's not, it's not a program that's same for everybody. Uh, and yeah, the goal is to get people away from really, um, restrictive habits, but also from binge eating habits because, you know, I was a binge eater and finding that middle ground where you can enjoy the things without overdoing them and uh, still eat a healthy and nutritious diet, trusting your intuition. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And can you share too, so you went through this period too where exercise was on the over, like going overboard and then you had to stop for five months while you were healing. What does movement look like? you now? Mm -hmm.
1: So yeah, it was, it was a difficult time, uh, for sure. Uh, But then, you know, before that, maybe I should like say what I did right before that. So you can see the how it's different. So uh, when I started that break for five months, I was working out six days a week, I did high intensity training at least 30 minutes a day. And then I would jog once in a while. And then I would walk a lot. I'm also a personal trainer. So I'm on my feet a lot. And so I didn't actually realize how much I was doing, because to me, the formal exercise was only that 30-minute HIIT training that I was doing. But then I actually went to see my chiropractor uh, for something, and she was like, wait a minute, you do this, and then you jog once in a while, and then you're on your feet. All the- this is much more than what you think, right? And I was like, yeah, you're probably right there. So um, yeah, it was five months. I couldn't do anything else uh, besides yoga and some walking. Um, and then now what I'm doing is probably around four workouts a week, and uh, two of them are, um, I've really gotten into parallel bar training, which is like a gymnastics type of training. Um, it's, I love about it. What I love about it is that it's so different than the high intensity stuff that I used to doing, uh before. There's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of focusing. It's, it's slow and it's, um, it, again, you have to be so much more aware and present. Um, so I do that. And then two, two days a week are kind of like, like, Focused, you know, a little bit of weightlifting, squats, and stuff like that. So, for workouts a week, what I found after my hypothalamic amenorrhea and complete metabolic burnout, basically, that I went through, is that when I push myself harder than that, then I start getting symptoms again. Um, I lose my sleep, my cycle gets a little wonky. Um, actually, running doesn't work very well for me because I believe that I did so much of it in the past without fueling myself properly. So, now when I try to run, um, i my body doesn't like that very much right now um but everybody has to figure out i know a lot of people who have gotten successfully have gotten back to running after experiencing a maria so it's it's probably just like unique to me but yeah going from crazy person who's working out and and on her rest days using air quotes here on her rest days go like an eight eight mile hike um you know (laughs) resting much more resting much more and I can only tell that, you know, the workout days feel so special right now. They're so good. I absolutely love them. And I love my rest days as much as I love my workout days because I used to feel really guilty when I would take a rest day. I would think that I'm like, I'm not doing enough. But now I'm like, I just feel how it's like giving my body the energy back Mm. that I can then later use in my next workout. And it's, you know, it's, you have to recover. Recovery is as important as working out is.
0: Yeah. I think our, our actions change so much when it's like a long-term sustainable, like way of life versus a goal that will do anything like to get to mm-hmm. um, your your body for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I think part of it also comes with, um, age not that we are really really old but still like the focus in the 20s was like what's what's the scale say now i'm like can i stay injury free oh my gosh seriously (laughs) right and then have no pain and then move like functionally do the things that i have to do in my everyday life and do them really well and it doesn't really matter anymore like if i can how much I can lift or how how lean my legs are. I mean, these things are awesome. I think they're great, but they should not be the focus of why we are moving our bodies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, so if people want to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: Yes, so uh, probably the easiest way is Instagram. My name there is my first name and last name, Kirsten Kimura. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my website is actually different. It's urbanjane.co, not combat CO. And then I also have a YouTube channel, also Urban Jane. Um, And I think that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll put the links to everything in the show notes so people can find you and they can find
0: your Facebook group because you have a really important message for women and it's needed especially especially as it starts to get warmer out and we're just gonna hear like tons and tons of like lose weight bikini stop eating carbs
1: yes oh god the carb thing is just is so out of control <laughs> yeah
0: all right well thank you so much for being on the podcast today sure thanks for having me Hey, Jacqueline here. Uh, if you're like, cool, so if I'm not going to be doing Weight Watchers and I'm not going to be doing Whole30 and I'm not going to be tracking macros or tracking calories or measuring food, how the heck do I know what to eat? Uh, if this is you, I want you to scroll down in the show notes and find the link for 20 quick and easy imperfect eating meals. Um, these are meals that I've been eating for the last three years years there are more meal ideas i'm going to show you how to customize them so you're not only getting the guide you're also going to get a couple videos kind of walking you through the process of like how to make grocery shopping super easy that it takes you like five minutes to make your list five minutes to plan so like a total of five like a total of five minutes to plan out what you're going to eat for the week and then make sure that you're shopping for those foods you won't have to pack things in tupperware but just like be able to easily assemble meals like right before you're going to eat them it takes me no time no obsession just hey eat the food move on with my day so make sure to grab 20 quick and easy and eating meals it is in the show notes all right guys take care